As the pathogenesis of hydradenitis suppurativa, or HS, becomes better understood, the treatments for this condition just seem to be increasing. So what do we need to know about the therapies that are in the pipeline? Welcome to Derm Consult on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Raj Chovatia, and joining me today to discuss emerging treatment options for patients with hydradenitis suppurativa is the one, the only, Dr. Martina Porter. She's a dermatologist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, an assistant professor of dermatology at Harvard Medical School, all-around HS expert and wonderful human being. Dr. Porter, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me today. Hopefully I'll have some insightful things to share. (laughs) Well, let's dive right in now that I got you in a good mood. So what new therapies are emerging for the treatment of HS? Million dollar question here. Yeah. So I think the million dollar answer is that they just completed two of the biggest, if not the absolute biggest trials for IL-17 inhibitors for HS. So one was for secukinumab, which is the IL-17A inhibitor, which they published their both week 16 and week 52 data. And the second was for bimikizumab. And so far they've shared with us the week 16 data, but not their data out to week 48. But besides this, we've actually seen a lot of other interesting clinical trials for different molecules, IL-1 inhibitors, JAK inhibitors, which are now entering the phase three pipeline, IL-36 inhibitors. I think the list could go on. That's amazing. I mean, I can even think of a time where if you really looked at clinicaltrials.gov, it seemed like an empty desert, but now you really can't throw a stone a very small distance without hitting at least one of many HS trials, which is exactly what we need. Let's zero in on secukinumab to start with. Can you tell me a little bit more generally about what it is, its efficacy, its safety, sort of where it might fit in what we have? Yeah, so secukinumab, as most people know, is an IL-17A inhibitor, and we've used this for many years now in psoriasis and for our patients who have psoriatic arthritis. But actually, the phase three trial looked at two different doses. Both were loaded with the same secukinumab 300 milligrams every week for the first five weeks, the same as we do in psoriasis. And then they actually had two arms, which was every two-week or every four-week maintenance dosing. And I think in terms of the efficacy, the good news is that the drug met its endpoints. And so So just under half the patients achieved high score or high score 50 at 16 weeks. The interesting thing too was out to 52 weeks, patients actually continued to improve beyond 16 weeks. And it really looked like the peak was closer to around the six month mark. So I think one of the things to note when we see this drug become available is it won't really be clear at first what dosing to use because the two and the four week dosing actually had about the same results. And then we also, I think, need to be a little more patient with this drug because after four months, it still really hasn't hit its peak. From a safety perspective, it really is the same, essentially. The two and four week dose is what we saw and what we know from psoriasis. And even for patients with HS who we know have a higher risk of inflammatory bowel disease, we didn't really see that really emerge from the trials, even though patients with IBD who are well-controlled were allowed to enter. You know, you and I have talked a bit about the availability of TNF inhibitors as a treatment option. It seems like there's some patients it's a better choice, some patients not. And it's really nice to see another drug, different target, meeting its endpoint. And hopefully we're going to learn a little bit more about who might be the right kind of patient for what therapy. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I think for patients having used this drug off-label for a number of years now, there's something about knowing the safety profile for many years, even if it wasn't for HS, and also knowing the safety profile is slightly better than the TNF-alpha inhibitors that I think encourages patients and they're interested in starting biologics like IL-17 inhibitors, even if they weren't that interested in the TNF-alpha inhibitors. 
Great point. And that kind of brings me to a newer IL-17 inhibitor, sort of probably the newest one that we'll have in this country, though available ex-US for some other indications. Can you tell me a little bit more about bimekizumab, what it is, what it's used for, safety, efficacy, where you kind of see this all falling out? Yeah, so bimekizumab is also an IL-17 inhibitor, but it actually targets both IL-17A and F. And there's some thought in the HS world now that IL-17F might be an even greater driving factor in this disease. The data that they published so far is only out to week 16, and it honestly is about the same as what we're seeing for both secutkimumab and adalimumab. The difference is all the other trials have used high score 50 as an endpoint, which is just a 50% improvement in their abscess and nodule account, but vimicizumab actually showed data for high score 75. So they're raising the efficacy bar now looking at 75% improvement in the abscess and nodule account. And they're really seeing that patients are hitting both the 50 and the 75% improvement mark, which may be a lot more significant in the long run for some of our patients. Amazing. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Derm Consult on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Raj Chobatia, and I'm speaking with Dr. Martina Porter about treatment options on the horizon for patients with hydradenitis suppurativa or HS. So Dr. Porter, tell me, are there any JAK inhibitors that we should know about, just given that that's pretty much all we've been talking about for the past few years when it comes to dermatologic disease? Yeah, so JAK inhibitors are also now being studied for HS. Both upadacitinib and a new drug, pobercitinib, which are both essentially mostly selected for JAK1, have finished their phase two studies with some promising results as well. So they're both entering phase three now. I would say the safety profile is probably getting closer to what we see in the RA trials than what we were seeing in our atopic dermatitis trials because these patients with HS seem to have inflammation that is more similar to RA patients than eczema. Do you think that there's any relationship potentially when thinking about sort of that trade-off with efficacy and safety to just the underlying risk factors in each individual patient, knowing that the comorbidity profile is obviously very different from an HS patient, an IBD patient, an atopic dermatitis patient, or heck, even an alopecia or vitiligo patient? Essentially, I think both patients and physicians are really focused a lot more on safety profiles of the drugs. And if we don't have a clear winner in terms of efficacy, like a drug here that's going to set the bar significantly higher and stand out from all the rest, the safety profiles are really going to become very important as patients and physicians make choices about therapies. I will say though that For the JAK inhibitors, I think they'll be really interesting, especially for patients who are very steroid responsive, corticosteroid responsive, because in my personal practice, I've found that some of these patients don't do well on a single targeted biologic, and they may actually need a more broad immunosuppressive therapy like a JAK inhibitor. Very good point, just thinking about the role that Jack and particularly Jack one might play across a variety of cytokine families. So this has kind of been the promise with with a heterogeneous disease like atopic dermatitis. So I can only hope that maybe we see some similar victories when it comes to HS. Have there been any particular challenges that have come up when testing a lot of these new HS therapies? I know that you're constantly on the forefront, but anything of note that you feel like has come to your mind about sort of unexpected issues related to the many new potential options? 
Yeah, I think one of the things that doesn't get enough attention is that we've actually had a few setbacks in the world of HS therapeutics. One of the things to note is that for psoriasis, we're now used to thinking of IL-23 inhibitors as highly efficacious, but we actually had two phase two trials for both gesilkimab and rizankizumab in HS, and both of them either failed to meet their endpoints or were terminated early for failing to meet the endpoints. And so we kind of have a gap now between IL-17 inhibitors being improved and starting these phase three trials for JAK inhibitors, where the IL-23 inhibitors should have been. And it's a little disappointing because now we'll see rizankizumab, for example, got improved for inflammatory bowel disease with an IV loading dose. But I think these drugs didn't work fast enough in HS to really decrease the inflammation or the inflammatory burden that the patients had. And we've had a few other drugs that have gone through some clinical trials that have also been terminated for lack of efficacy. I mean, really highlighting some of the challenges that come with trying to figure out exactly what might be the main or in perhaps in the future sort of multiple targets that we really need to be hitting. Before we close, Dr. Porter, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience today when it comes to some of the emerging therapies uh, for HS? My final thoughts are, number one, I really hope that dermatologists across the country and the world become interested in treating HS, especially with these new therapies. I think in five years, we'll be in a much better place and it'll be much easier to just prescribe a medication for HS patients and find that the patients have improved. But until then, it's a little difficult sometimes to have to go through trial and error trying to find a medication that will help these patients who really are truly suffering. I mean, you heard it here, folks. You got to make sure that you're giving your patients the treatment that they deserve and making sure you're kind of jumping on the more treatments we get so we can learn more about the disease. And it's really just an exciting time for the treatment landscape of HS in terms of everything we're learning. So with that, I just want to thank Dr. Martina Porter again for sharing her insights. Dr. Porter, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you again. For ReachMD, I'm Dr. Raj Chovatia. To access this episode and others from Derm Consult, visit reachmd.com slash dermconsult, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.